Well, good morning and welcome to the first Sunday of a new month in August. Uh, summer is gradually coming to an end. Uh, please make the most of the summer. Longer nights, longer days, shorter nights. It will soon come to an end. Amen. Uh, well, I hope you have had a great week and enjoying your weekend so far. Let's start off with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning as we come before your word. We pray that your word will minister to us in simplicity, yet in clarity of speech, and in the fullness and in the power of your spirit. I pray, O oh Lord, that um, may we key into the spirit of the theme for this month, which is more prayer. Revive us, Lord, that we'll be able to have a vibrant prayer life before you. May this month be a month of communion. May this month be a month of supernatural. May this month be a month of divine direction. May this month be a month of open heavens. May this month be a month of spirit empowerment because we are devout to the practice of praying to you every day this month. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. <clears throat> Yesterday at our prayer meeting, August was dubbed as our month of more prayer. And we took inspiration from Luke chapter 3, verse 21 to 22. And we saw some effects of prayer. Um, if you read that scripture, when John baptized Jesus in the Jordan River, he prayed. And when he prayed, we saw some effects of prayer. One, open heavens. And open heavens means you are blessed um the, the you know the Jewish um, society at that time was an agrarian society and whenever they experienced rain on their crops, they believe it was the blessing of the open heavens. Amen. So when we talk about open heavens, we are talking about walking in an atmosphere of blessings. So that's what happened. Open heavens, secondly, spirit empowerment. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit descended in a bodily form like a dove as empowerment you know when when the disciples before they experienced the first church service that was when peter preached at the day of pentecost and three thousand happened mind you they were in the upper room and the bible lets us know that the symbol of the holy spirit lighted on their heads right so whenever you you see symbols like that it normally speaks to us of empowerment. Amen. So they were empowered, they were emboldened now to go forth and minister the gospel. So spirit empowerment, that, that, that was what led Jesus to do ministry differently. And he was a cut above the religious leaders who were the Pharisees and the scribes. The third thing is hearing the voice of God. Um, God said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. You know, nobody had that voice. It was only Jesus that had that voice. You, you, you might be tempted to think it was an audible voice. Like when you watch some of these biopic movies of Jesus, whenever it comes to that scene, you will hear the audible voice, you know. And I don't know, why, why does God have a baritone voice? There's my beloved son and home. You know, he, the, the, the voice was not audible. It was audible to Christ. Are you understanding me? So hearing the voice of God. When you pray, 
you have exclusive access to the voice of God. And it is in the voice of God that you receive direction, you receive guidance, you receive leadership. When you read chapter 4, that's just after this chapter, which is chapter 3. When you read chapter 4, the Bible says that Jesus, filled with the Spirit, was led into the wilderness by the Spirit of God. How did that happen? Because he heard the voice of God. And as when we hear the voice of God, uh, we experience divine direction and divine guidance. So, please, I want you to key into these three promises. Open heavens, spirit-empowered living, hearing the voice of God for this month as you strive to have an effective prayer life. An effective prayer life has to happen daily. That's what will make it effective. Amen. Please be, be determined to pray through bad times when you are not so much in the mood to pray. You know, it's okay when you wake up, you feel lively and, you know, oh, today I feel like praying. Sometimes that can happen. But sometimes when you are not so much in the mood to pray, pray. For the Bible says we should pray without season. All right. So let's make it an effort to pray at all times, whether we have bad times, whether we have sullen moods, uh, whether things didn't go our way, whether our expectations were not met. Pray, pray. If you are suffering, pray. In fact, the remedy for suffering is prayer. The remedy for suffering is not to put it on your Facebook status. What are you thinking? Then you write. You know, why do you want to know? Sometimes I go on Facebook, like, why do you want to know my thoughts? What do you mean, what am I thinking? Amen. The, the, the remedy for suffering is prayer. Pray. Amen. Pray in good times. Pray in bad times. Pray at all times. So this particular month, be decisive. Strive to have an effective prayer life. Amen. Now let's get right into the word for today. Turn your Bibles with me to James chapter 5, verse 16. James 5, verse 16. I'm going to read this in the Amplified Classic, AMPC. Confess to one another, therefore, your faults, your slips, your false steps, your offenses, your sins, and pray also for one another that you may be healed and restored to a spiritual tone of mind and heart. Now, my main emphasis is the latter part of verse 16. The Earnest, heartfelt, continuous prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. Let me read it again because that's my emphasis. The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. I believe the popular rendering of this verse in King James or New King James says something like this, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So for prayer to have tremendous power, and by the way, God is the source of tremendous power. All right? Your prayer or praying is not the source of power. It's not the source of tremendous power, which is dynamic. It is God that is the source of power. Amen. Last week, I, I spoke about it. We should quit trying to believe in our own hype that it is because we know how to pray and we pray our right or our tongues are polysyllabic, you know, or even monosyllabic. That's why our prayers are effective. Not really so. If God doesn't answer your prayer, everything you are doing will be theatrics. Amen. 
So it is God that is the source of tremendous power, not your praying or prayer. So we have to get that right. So to experience power from a prayer answering God during our prayer times, certain factors matter according to John 5, 16. James, I'm sorry, James chapter 5, verse 16. The first one is it, it has to be earnest. It has to be earnest. And when you look at the Amplified, it opened it up and gave two synonyms, right? So the first word there is heartfelt. So when we are talking about earnest, we are talking about heartfelt prayer. What does it mean to the, 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 a prayer to be heartfelt? It means that it's sincere. When you are dating, <laughs> one of the things that prospective partners like to hear it's when you give them a gift and you tell them, this gift is from my heart. It, it ministers to them. And why does it minister to them? It ministers to them because it means that it is coming from a sincere place. I'm giving you this gift out of my heart. Even when you are saying, I love you, I love you from my heart. Not I love you from my mind. My mind means that I have really calculated it. You know, I'm thinking to and fro. When it's a heart thing, it's different. Sincerity. So the, our prayers have to be earnest. It has to come from the heart. Sincerity. It, it has to be sincere. Another word for earnest is passionate. The heart is the seat of our passion. You know, one of the common things that we, we are, is always being floated around is hell have no fury than a woman being scorned. Well, let me change that. Hell have no fury than a wife being scorned. Because it's not every woman. It's not every woman. If I don't have a relationship with a woman, how will she, you know, it's not. It's a wife. That woman there is wife. Hell have, why? Because the woman has invested passion in the relationship. I remember recently when I saw a viral clip, you know, a, 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 a husband just decided to have a mannequin, you know, with, you know, what do you call it? A wig and everything. And, you know, just <laughs> trying to tempt the wife like, oh, I'm with my chick or something. And then the wife just came through the door. Look, she's very tiny. She looks very harmless. But when she saw that, she became Jackie Chan. Man, she threw a flying kick. And then she got very upset at the husband, like, yo, man, stop playing with me because it was just a mannequin. It was not really a girl. Why, why, why would the lady behave like that? It is because of passion. Passion. And, and one of the Bible characters that exuded passion is David. If you study the life of David, one of the things you would know is that he was very passionate in his relationship with God because everything that he did for God is heartfelt. So when we are talking about prayer, it has to be sincere. It has to be passionate. And it has to be solemn. When I'm talking about solemn, that means there has to be some reverence in the prayer. It's heartfelt. Amen. And it should be continued. Another word for earnest in the Amplified is continued. So when we talk about continued, it means that we should have an unbroken and a regular prayer life. That's what does wonders. Okay. Sometimes our prayer life can be too erratic. We pray on Monday, 
We don't pray again till Friday. We don't feel like, hey, then we'll wake up, we'll come again on Sunday. It, it becomes too erratic. It has to be an unbroken fellowship with God. Most times, Christians, we are passionate. We get, excuse me, we get the passionate part, but many times we lack consistency. And it is in having consistency in our prayer life that we will harness the tremendous power that God will make available. Amen. Now, the second thing is righteousness. It says the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man avails much, which means that it makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. So righteousness is very important. The ability to stand in front of God without any sense of guilt or shame, knowing you are forgiven and acquitted from every penalty of sin that you've committed. That's, that's righteousness. And that is needed. We have to come to God's throne of grace with boldness. And when we are talking about boldness here, we are not talking about rudeness. Rudeness is not boldness. When we are talking about boldness, I'm also not talking about irreverence or irreverence. Irreverence is not boldness. When we are talking about boldness, boldness here depicts the picture of one who isn't running away from God. That's the opposite of Adam. You know, when Adam sinned and when he heard the voice of God, he was afraid. He hid himself. Now, the opposite of that means that we delight in communion as a son with a father. And righteousness engenders that. So when you understand the gift of righteousness, you are able to come before the Lord like a son delighting in communion with his father. That's boldness. So the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man, it avails much. That is where you experience the tremendous power that is made available by God, which is dynamic in its working. So I pray that in the month of August, May you receive a quickening and an awakening to your prayer life. May God answer all your prayers that your joy will be full. Look, God wants your joy to be full. He wants your joy to be full. And one of the best ways for your joy to be full is for your prayers to go answered. May you walk in the manifestation of God's promises and every positive prophetic agenda over your life. If you believe in that, say amen. With that said, let's now get to the main crux of our message where we will deal with hindrances to our prayer life. Some of you are fighting them. Others will see its prevalence in this particular month. So beware. Amen. So be determined by grace, backed by the Spirit's empowerment to pray every day. Take that challenge on. But you, you, you will need the grace of God and you will need to be backed by the Spirit's empowerment to be able to take on this task. Not in your strength. Not in your might. Else you will fail. Amen. So my theme for today is hindrances to prayer. Let's look at five of them real quick with five scriptures. And then we will have communion. So number one, poor time management. Daniel chapter 6 verse 10. Daniel 6 verse 10. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home and in his upper room with his windows open toward Jerusalem, 
he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom. Those are my key words. As was his custom since early days. I love this scripture a lot. The reason why I love this scripture so much is because it shows me that success didn't corrupt Daniel's godly habits, especially when it came to prayer. It, it is very unfortunate and very sad that sometimes success at times becomes a hindrance to some people serving God. But Daniel at this point was the second in command to the, to the king. It's just like a country with a prime minister and a king. So a, a typical example is England. You know, in England, the, the head is King Charles, who was just sworn in, and I believe you also the, the ceremony and all that. And then the second in command is the prime minister, Rishi Sunak. So Daniel was like the Rishi Sunak. He's the second in command, like a prime minister. He had a busy job, is high-powered, very stressful, but it didn't drown his prayer life. Why? Because he had proper time management. So on that note, please, I'll recommend Pastor Robert's message on time management. And this was preached during our midweek Bible um, study series on life skills. I believe when you, you, you listen to that message on our podcast, you will get all the juices and all the nitty-gritties on time management. Very, very well done. Uh, biblically centered message. I will advise you to listen. The Bible wants us to be judicious and be very good stewards of our time. And, and when we do that, the Bible calls us wise, according to Ephesians 5. Amen. So poor time management is a big hindrance. Uh, sometimes we are not able to manage our time very well. Uh, you, you should be able to come to a place where you should categorize certain things when it comes to your time management. Know what is urgent, know what is important. When I talk about agents, agents means things that you can delegate or you can come to it later. If you, if, if you don't do it, the world will not end. When I'm talking about importance, I'm talking about things that if you don't do, no one else will do it. Know how to place these things in these categories so that we can effectively manage our time. But on that note, listen to Pastor Robert's message. Amen. Let's move to the second hindrance. Spiritual laziness. Go with me to Matthew chapter 26, verse 40 to 41. Matthew chapter 26, verse 40 to 41. And I want to read this in the message. In the message. When he came back to his disciples, verse 40, he found them sound asleep. He said to Peter, can't you stick it out with me a single hour? 41. Stay alert. Be in prayer so you don't wander into temptation without even knowing you are in danger. Look, when you see somebody who is constantly falling into temptation, constantly, it's a lack of prayer. Because when you pray, you don't easily go into temptation. That's why in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus said, and lead us not into temptation. You see, so a, a, a sign of someone who is always falling into temptation and being overcome by temptation and falling into the bait of the enemy could be prayerlessness. Amen. All right. Now, back to verse 41. 
Stay alert, be in prayer so that you don't wander into temptation without even knowing you are in danger. There is a part of you that is eager, ready for anything in God. This is my key word. These are my emphasis. But there is another part that is as lazy as an old dog sleeping by the fire. I'm talking about spiritual laziness. That's the second hindrance. And spiritual laziness, it normally manifests itself in apathy. Now, when I'm talking about apathy, what do I mean? It means you are indifferent. You, you have lack of enthusiasm or concern. You are disinterested. You are impassive. You, you, you have lethargy. You know, you are slow. You know, you are not interested. You know, you, you, you become very dull and you know, you almost even feel like sick. You know, is that is that is that type which comes upon you? You have that lazy feeling. You are you you have you you are you are lethargic, and you are unresponsive. You don't respond towards the things of God, towards God, towards church, or towards any spiritual activity. You see, you can be happy about anything except God. You can be happy about anything. You can be happy about your favorite Netflix programs. You can binge watch programs. You are happy about parties. You are happy about um, pool parties. You are happy about barbecues. You are happy about gatherings. And all these things are good. It enhances life's experiences. It creates to us a very rich experience of life. And all these things are necessary. But the same enthusiasm you had, I, I, do you exhibit those same, those same tendencies towards the things of God? Do you exhibit them towards God? Do you exhibit them towards the things of God? Do you exhibit them towards his church or his church activities? That's spiritual laziness. You see, mind you, these people were not lazy in the natural. Jesus was talking to fishermen. Peter, James, and John. They were fishermen. They were not lazy. They worked hard. Hard workers. But when Jesus called them lazy as an old dog sleeping by their fire, he is referring to the spiritual components of their lives. They didn't attach that same agency and that same diligence that they had to to their professional lives in their prayer life. So sometimes spiritual laziness can be a hindrance to why we don't pray. And people who are normally like this, you struggle to read the Bible, you struggle to pray, you struggle to be involved in church. You struggle to even come online church. You're not even as you to come even, even take a bus or a drive. Even you struggle to come to online church. Do you know what has happened? You have lost the joy of your salvation. That's why you, 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 you have this apathetic attitude. And one of the best ways is to come to God through prayer. It can be restored. It can be restored. You can receive the joy of salvation. How do I know that? Psalm 51 verse 12. David once prayed this prayer when he fell into sin. He said, Lord, create in me a clean heart, O Lord, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, O Lord. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Verse 12. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation and renew a right spirit within me. When you have the joy of salvation present, you are passionate. You are enthusiastic. You have concern. Jesus showed this same um, enthusiasm in John chapter 2. When 
he 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 cast down the tables and overthrew the money tables and the, the, the money changers tables and drove everybody out who had made the house of prayer a merchandise. And the Bible lets us know when the disciples saw that they remembered Psalm 69, verse 11, the zeal of my house has consumed me. That's the joy of salvation. The joy of salvation takes away apathy, which is an offshoot of spiritual laziness. Amen. So I pray that may we be able to overcome that hindrance of spiritual laziness in the name of Jesus. If you are struggling with that, the best way is to be humble and pray the prayer of David. Lord, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. And God, gracious and mercy, will definitely do that. Amen. Let's look at the third hindrance. Untaught and unskilled. Untaught and unskilled. Why do I say that? Open with me to Luke chapter 11, verse 1. Luke chapter 11, verse 1. Now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place when he ceased that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. That's my emphasis. Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. So why do I say untaught and unskilled? Now, how can you pray when you don't know how to pray? That's my question. You can only learn how to pray because you've been taught. And once you are taught, you develop the skill to pray. See, if there is no teaching, there is no skill. Untaught and unskilled. And last week, if you do remember, I did mention some tutors in prayer. And among them were reading good books on prayer. I believe I gave you one of the authors, E.M. Bounds, who has written many good biblical-centered books on, on prayer, which you, you, can, you can buy and read them. And I didn't mention this point last week. I did mention relationship with the Holy Spirit, but I did not mention one, which is baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's one thing to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. It's another to also experience the baptism in the Holy Spirit, which comes with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Amen. But one key teacher which I, I highlighted last week, which I want to emphasize again, is being present at prayer meetings. It's one of the best ways to learn how to pray. Why do I say that? Because prayer is not only taught, but it is also caught. It's an impartation. And the more you spend time with believers who know how to pray, if you go to a church that has prayer programs, find yourself there. Be available. Don't let... I don't know how to pray be an excuse. Just be there. It's an impartation. It's an atmosphere. For some reason, ion sharpen ion. For some reason, you, 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 you will get connected. You will get connected. You will key into the atmosphere of prayer. It's one of the best ways to learn how to pray. Or find a friend. Find a friend who is spiritually mature, who has a good standing in the faith, and then pray with the brother. That's one of the best ways to learn how to pray. Amen. So untaught and unskilled is a hindrance. And the more you pray by being taught and by it being an impartation which you have caught, you will develop the skill to pray. 
And prayer is simply praying to God the Father in the name of Jesus, inspired by the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's that simple, but it's an art and there is a skill to it. And the more you do it, the more you become good at it, the more you feel comfortable, you feel comfortable and at ease to approach God to have the, these times of communion, which enhances your fellowship with God. Amen. Let's look at the fourth hindrance. A weakness in prayer. A weakness in prayer. Romans chapter 8, verse 26 to 27. Romans chapter 8, verse 26 to 27. I'm reading this in the NIV. A weakness in prayer. And what do I mean by that? Look at, look at it. In the same way, the Spirit helps in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. So when I'm talking about a weakness in prayer here, I'm talking about not knowing what to pray for or pray about. That's a weakness. You see, the third hindrance addresses the how. The fourth hindrance addresses the what to pray for or pray about. And this is where speaking in tongues becomes very beneficial. When you read 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 14, the Bible says that um, when I speak in the tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. But I like verse 15. Apostle Paul said, what is the conclusion then? I speak in tongues. My spirit is uh, fruitful. My spirit prays, sorry, but my mind is unfruitful. But Paul asked the question, what is the conclusion then? And he answered in verse 15, I'll pray with the Spirit, I'll pray with my understanding. I will sing in the Spirit, and I'll also sing in the understanding. Amen. So Paul is letting us know that there is a lot of benefits praying in tongues. Sometimes when we try to use just the mind to pray, we will come to a limitation. And I believe one of the ways by which we experience the intercessory ministry of the Holy Spirit is when we speak in tongues. Now, I am not saying that if you only pray with your understanding, you will never experience the intercessory ministry of the Holy Spirit. You will, because the Holy Spirit is that gracious. But there is a reason to why God has given us the gift of speaking in tongues. Because it is where we can really key in and zone into the spirits and receive the spirit's help when especially it comes to us praying. And, you know, sometimes if we are just going to pray with our understanding, trust me, you and me, we will not even know what to pray for. But God has given us the gift of speaking in tongues. Why? Because when we are praying, we are praying with our spirits. We are praying in the spirits. And that is becoming a blessing. Amen. Now, this scripture that I just read to you in Romans 8 is not absolving us of the responsibility of prayer. It rather encourages that in our prayer times, the Holy Spirit is our aid in prayer. And when you look at that word, the Holy Spirit helps in our weakness. The picture that you get is 
the Holy Spirit is holding one end of a long stick and you are holding the other end of a long stick. So let's say you have, let's say, a 20 feet hole. Definitely, it might be difficult for just one person to grab it. But when one person holds the end and you hold the other end, it's doable. That is the picture when the Bible lets us know that the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness in prayer. When we do not know what we ought to pray for, the Holy Spirit helps us. And one of the best ways or one of the best expressions is when we speak in tongues. Like I said, when you also pray and you understand it, you also avail yourself for the Holy Spirit to help you. So either or. But how be it, it doesn't hurt if you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, which comes with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Amen. Paul said, I'll sing in the Spirit. I'll, I'll, I'll sing with my understanding. I'll pray in the Spirit. I'll pray with my understanding. It's good to pray if you understand it. Habit is also more beneficial to pray in the Spirit and sing in the Spirit. Amen. Okay, fifth one. Unfulfilled prayer requests. Go with me to Matthew chapter 17, verse 14 to 16. Last scripture. I said we were going to read five scriptures. Matthew chapter 17, verse 14 to 16. I read. And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples. My, this is my emphasis, verse 16. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. This is a father's cry. Unfulfilled prayer requests is a hindrance. When you read the same story in Mark chapter 9, verse 14 to 29, it's an elaborated version. In verse 27 of Mark chapter 9, the father of the epileptic son was in unbelief and he confessed to Christ. When Christ told him, if you can believe, all things are possible. His response to the Lord was, Lord, I believe, but help my own belief. And why did the father come to this point? It's because of an unfulfilled prayer request. He brought his son, hoping his son will be healed. But the Bible lets us know that his disciples could not minister healing to him, which caused him to be disappointed, which caused him to have a heart of unbelief. But if you have any unfulfilled prayer requests this morning, as you listen to me, learn from this man and tell Jesus honestly about it. Can I tell you something? Jesus is not afraid of you saying you are disappointed or you have a heart of unbelief. Jesus is not intimidated by your disappointments or by your heart of unbelief. Just tell him, come to him, be honest to him. Because when you tell him, just like the father of this epileptic son told him, he just strengthened his faith to a place of belief. How do I know his faith was strengthened to a place of belief? Because the son in Mark 9 verse 14 to 27 got healed. And Jesus, one of the operative 
words or principles that was needed to effect healing was faith. In an atmosphere of faith, you will experience the miraculous of God. Amen. So Christ will strengthen us to a place of unbelief. So don't allow unfulfilled prayer requests to be a hindrance to let you stop praying. Please believe in the power of prayer because we pray to a powerful God. And if you are struggling, reach out to God like the father of this epileptic son. He says, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. And Christ didn't condemn him. He truly helped him. Amen. In this month, please, beware of these hindrances, which can be landmines against our prayer life. I pray for you today as your pastor. Christ is interceding for you as the high priest of your confession. The Holy Spirit is interceding for you with wordless groans which cannot be uttered. May we rise to a place of prayer. God bless you. Try about our heads. Word of prayer. I've delivered your word to your people. May we be aware. May we be in the know of these hindrances that will want to eat into our consistency of our prayer life this particular month. In this month of more prayer, oh Lord, may we pray. May we experience the tremendous power from you, oh Lord, which is available and which will be dynamic in its working. Thank you that we will walk in the manifestation of this word and we declare that our hearts are good soils for this word to yield forth a dividend of crops in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.